Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Well, should we start the Shall we record Let's a go. podcast? Yes. Let's control call them podcasts. Podcasts. Oh, podcasts. Yes. Have you not noticed how amazing Cassie looks today? And me, by a lesser effect, we're both wearing Bear by Vogue. Bear by Vogue. <gasps> no shit. I was wondering why it was. Do we look so glorious? It was kind mm. of glowing in here. You do and look. Now I realize you it's look you guys. Have I am, you gone for some face coverage with it. Oh, I always face coverage tan so I Tell can now, blend in my foundation. So hold on now. Do I you buy glorious. a new foundation when your face is no? When color? I no, I buy <laughs> when I I buy the ordinary foundation. This is like. <laughs> Thanks for asking about my beauty routine, guys. Um, for all those asking. For all those asking, I buy the ordinary foundation and I always buy my shade and one shade darker for when I wear tan. But the ordinary foundation is six ninety. It's glorious. Six euros ninety. Six euros ninety. Where Highly do I recommend. find this Never glorious down fluid? Down in the Brown Thomas Beauty Rooms. BTs. Yeah. B- and it's six euro but ninety cent. Mm-hmm. Will it cover my spots? It's, yeah, it's a glorious, glorious foundation. It's really nice and light. I've got a good one as well. Yeah. All right, okay, hit me with this one. Boots, another ten ninety nine job. <laughs> Tell me. Not entirely sure the brand name. It's in a tube. 
<laughs> is it KY? And are you putting it on your face? That K. <laughs> it's like preparation age. No, it's just a very high pigmented. Nobody listening to this podcast needs to hear any of this shit. You never know. Like, you never you know. You have to commit to telling people about Creeps need routine. to cover themselves in expensive products, too. I would be almost positive. Nobody gives a fuck about our three beauty regimes. No one has ever asked me before. Never once. I asked a woman today in uh, the shops what foundation she was using. I'm, I have unending appetite to hear what kind of foundation. Creeps, if you're listening, tweet me at the creep dive and tell me your foundation. It's not at the creep dive, Sophie. Let's talk about this. <laughs> you got a Twitter account at dive creep. <laughs> you're in trouble. I'm in trouble. You're in you trouble. Just, you just added to our workload, but we'll talk about it off, Mike. <laughs> Please. Hey, hey, 109 committed creeps over on Twitter. That worries and me. we got a very warm welcome from some of my fave peeps on Irish Twitter. Who be they? Taryn Devere. Never heard of her. Yes. She's very colourful. I like her. Yeah, follow her. Ellen Coyne, very welcoming. Never heard Obviously. of Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Our network pals, Juvenalia, thanks for the shout out, guys. Yeah, love them. <laughs> uh, do you want to do thanks the top, everyone. the up top business, downstairs? Business up. Housekeeping up top. Um, welcome back to the Creep Dive. There's your first one. I'm Cassie Delaney. I'm Sophie White. Jen O'Dwyer. Whoa, that was deep. <laughs> <laughs> Deeper <laughs> than usual. Uh, it's got a bit of Jen Jen O'Dwyer. A little bit of phlegm back there. I'm gonna keep um, it. <laughs> Mad feedback on there, Jen. Review of the week. Oh God, I haven't looked there. We got some great reviews. People are mad for these totes that they haven't seen yet. You know, I'm actually running a Ponzi scheme over here. There's no totes. <laughs> I like how you're pronouncing it Ponzi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's Ponzi. Ponzi. <laughs> but Ponzi sure, is Ponzi. several Ponzi's. <laughs> right, she forgive wants, me. Do a I'm really nervous this week because Do I don't have a proper life. story. I just have a Wikipedia page that I too am reading for the first time. And Welcome there's be a lot to of my world. That's how I, that's my everyday approach. I have a suggestion for um, housekeeping up top. Oh. Why don't we include a new segment called Social Media Manager of the Week and every week Cassie and I go head to head. Going to Twitter, Twitter versus, versus Instagram. Oh, okay. absolutely. And Jen can be the impartial judge. <laughs> <laughs> Completely objective, having not <laughs> ever gone near myself. either of those places. You're welcome. <laughs> I did notice you took over some of my hashtags, though. So if you want to make this competitive, we're going to get really into it. Wait, Dot points. You haven't used creeping it real, though, have you? That's I mine. don't think I've used creeping it real. That's a good one. I know. <laughs> I already crept it real. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Review of the week. Review Let's of get the week some filleting. Dolly Ducks. Nice. Uh, five stars. Obviously, we're not going to give the tote to anything less. <laughs> Ladies, love the podcast. You have pushed me along miles and miles of walks, normally in a creeped out frenzy. Highlight this week. Really a low point, I guess. Jen's story about the French cannibal made me empty reach for my whole empty. I think she said meant to say wretch for my whole walk. Finally gawking on the road. So <gasps> I think this woman genuinely Jesus. vomited. She actually fucking vomed. Yeah. So we'll give you a tote that you can vomit in future. Hooray. Thank you, Dolly Ducks. So please send us a. Oh, we you can send us a DM at the creep dive on Instagram or you can <laughs> go on over to Sophie <laughs> at Dive creep. <laughs> it's all in how you say it. It's, it's like capital D, capital C, la- little version <laughs> of the it? creep type. It's yeah. the KVI own brand of the creep type. 
<laughs> okay. I'm also so full of anxiety because I'm not up to this. Like, up to what? Like managing, managing a social day. already <laughs> panicking. Like, it's been two know, days. All, it was all born out of somebody. A half sick start, I feel, because that's when the first tweet came in. I woke up to it and was like, oh, good morning. <laughs> good morning, Sophie. It was, <laughs> I blame Elaine who is a lovely woman I work with for books things. And she was like trying to be encouraging about me, you know, getting out there, getting out there a bit more on Twitter. Oh, Sophie, for God's sake. Why don't you get out there, be among the people on Twitter. And I, Sophie went to her like almost completely defunct Twitter account. <laughs> I had to re-download Twitter to my phone. Had some terrible issues logging in. And then I was like, I want to spread this social media presence even thinner. It's and I'm going to start a whole new Twitter account. An interesting approach, though, isn't it? It's so thin it's across so, thin. so many platforms. <laughs> I know. I have access to five different social media accounts. Can't even post to my own. Yeah, it's absolutely not needed to have another. <laughs> but while you're at it, go follow Tall Tales podcasts on Instagram at Dive Creep on Twitter <laughs> at The Creep Dive on Instagram. Follow all our network pals at Juvenalia on Twitter and on Instagram. Go to Tall Tales podcast to find the individual social accounts for all the other podcasts and just follow fucking everything, please. Follow, follow, follow. But follow, like, is follow, it, are follow. they getting the same thing across? No, they're not. No, no they're not. No. Oh, so that's good. That's good. On I think what I've noticed about Twitter is that like people are sharing their thoughts as and when they're having them in a much more organic way. The start of this uh, podcast has okay, become Jesus the rambliest Christ. load of shite okay. ever, hasn't it? Any more business up top? Well, yeah, that's like, all my business. We have to ask them for money. You didn't do any begging. We'll do it at the end today. Oh, yeah. patreon.com forward slash the creep dive. And thanks. We had a few more patrons. Thank um, you. Yeah, people keep coming in on the daily. If you subscribe to Patreon, you can take part in Creep Dine with me, which is a special series for patrons where you can come on the show. We'll pay for your dinner and you can tell us a story and we'll put it out to everyone else. The unpaying people. Depending on its quality. Mm -hmm. yeah come with a good story or don't come at all and <laughs> it's not just free meal guys and to the value of 12 euros and if and you and can look you at all our foundation in person my and rate gorgeous us. tan i've been so influenced by this tan. look at your hands there yeah they're a bit bad but i haven't washed it off yet I but it's glorious can i just say I need more oh. of your body here. All I'm seeing is your wrist. Look at this arm. That's good. It's good. You know what? It smells Show me your gorgeous. tattoos. Is that it like dark and doesn't, um, <laughs> doesn't cover tattoos well. No tan does. Well, what do we got this week? Come on. Come creep on. Creep of the week. I've got a great creep of the week. Who be he? Friend Sorry. of a friend. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite good. Okay. This came via my brother-in-law. Uh, very tall or medium tall? Uh, the very tall. Hilary A. White, follow him. He's on Twitter, I found. <laughs> There's nobody left on Twitter. <laughs> anyway, so he told me this story. He was out having lunch with his friend who is a photographer and he does lots of weddings, kind of his kind of bread and butter gigs. And um, he was uh, doing like some shots of the bride, right, at a recent wedding. And uh, one of the um, groomsmen kind of, happened by now the groom and all his best men at this wedding wore kilts all right this isn't about my wedding by the way my own husband also chose to wear a kilt for no fucking for no reason. absolute and no totally reason whatsoever. Weird. yeah anyway um 
So this groomsman and the kids kind of happened by and uh, they were having some lols and some hijinks. And he was like, oh, get in the photo and like, let's do a photo, just the two of us. And then um, he sat down on the bride's knee for a picky and they were like, ah, and then he hopped off. But he left a skid mark. Oh my no. god! On the dress. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa. Yes. Like really visible. Oh, like the guy, the photographer was like at least ten feet away. Like it was. I mean, what? Go do faster, you do stripes. Then I know. And you like, have to have an outfit change. That's so weird. I, I would have like, just spilled nah. wine on it. Wet wipe was what I was going for. Wet wipe or just add to it. Yes. Cover it with wine. <laughs> I, I don't would know. not. Do you give a fuck at that point? I, well, you. this was divisive at the, the luncheon where this story was told. <laughs> um, and it was very clear. All of the mothers assembled were like, wet wipe, don't slash, cover it with wine. And everyone else was like, I mean... They go basically home. thought like go home, wedding, wedding over. over. <laughs> oh no, I wouldn't go home. I just put on a pair of jeans. I feel like there's actual crap on me at the very at this very moment. You, you like, don't just I, feel like there there <laughs> is. There is. Yeah. Now I'm contrast, not on my wedding day, but it's the contrast between the white dress and the and the skid mark that I think is <laughs> that is, is the thing that bothers me <laughs> more than the actual substance. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the fact that everyone's gonna be like, oh, what you got there? Yeah, you just say bear by Vogue. <laughs> but what hashtag not spawn <laughs> hashtag could be spawn if you want it folks. I don't know if this is her target audience but if you do buy fair by folks, please say the creep dive at the till and maybe if enough people say it they'll give us more like, like, what a weird transaction actually everyone just go and follow Vogue <laughs> <laughs> but imagine the moment where he pulls away and like lays down that skitty and then like sees it, sees her seeing it. I mean, it's a you fucking... You just run. You just take off. You'd be like, hey, oh, that... Uh. It's kind of like a... You don't admit that it was you that... <laughs> there is you no. can't. Neither of you could acknowledge that it's shit. Because if you did acknowledge it, it <laughs> would so have to be an end I'm, of day. I'm fairly certain it was acknowledged. Oh. I don't know much more detail, but the photographer seemed to say that like it was you know was it undeniable laughed about laughed. okay anyway that's my creep of the week well done Excellent. he definitely is a fucking creep right what have Who we got wipe their hole properly <laughs> i mean like my kids but really after 20 there's no excuse i know like when you're at a wedding and you're excited to get back to the party <laughs> and you're just, like yeah uh, you're just like i'll oh, oh, just did start a half, just did a half job in there <laughs> I just don't to get back into this combo. Couldn't leave that point sitting there. Just got up and... Probably like six or seven points in as well. It's just it's <laughs> pure butter. Oh, oh, it's fucking gross. Lucky it wasn't day two. <sighs> okay, back in the room. What do we got? I mean, I think I could... Mine potentially could be a mid-year long, but like I said, it's the first time I'm reading it too. So we're just <laughs> all in it you doing this. So do I. I. This goes on my fucking to-do list. I know mine too, but it was it's it's much earlier in the week than usual. Like just totally slipped my mind. Also, um, I'm just fully recovered again, so I'm only human again today. Shout out to everyone who said they couldn't listen to the last episode <laughs> because of my voice. <laughs> Someone was like, and where were they saying that, Cassie? Twitter on the Twitter dive. That's right. Can Hello, I? Guys, can thanks. I? How do I? I don't use the tweet. The tweet. 
the Twitter. <laughs> uh, can I just Google it and will I see everything there? Or do I need to be a, a Twitter? <laughs> I think you might need to be in Twitter to see it. Right. Well, that's me. Ed. You need to climb up inside the Twitter. Maybe you could start a creep dive Pinterest. <laughs> your Please life. do. <laughs> Oh, there's so much to put on there. And what can I call it? I literally Pinterest is the third sentence. There's a the word and Pinterest is the my irony. Third I have here. another Twitter story for us today. Oh, excellent! Do you want to open with that? If you like, let's yeah, do it. Yeah, go for it. It's Wait, pre- is it the shower rail? No, I looked. I tried to find that. Oh, I'll I'll look for it and I'll send it on. Okay. Okay. It could, is that a potential or can we talk about it now? No, it's definitely not a creep dive, but it's just like a nice. It just made me feel good. Come here, Dave. Okay, come here. Come here to us there. I'm just going into my... Hit the, the old doodah. Do, do, do. Speak amongst yourselves. For somebody who has frequently done Twitter threads. I know. Where are you? Are I'm you just, finding them on Reddit? Yeah. Well, I'm just <laughs> unlocking this new thing. And I, uh, it's very difficult then because you're like, uh, I'm... I think I'm in, but I'm reading other people's comments to... This is... Sorry for everyone that uses Twitter and... Is able to use it correct. This is boring. I'm anyway, gonna, in I'm we go. Do a quick tweet right now. Why you do that? Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do an Instagram. Would you get back in the room here? I'm trying to tell you a story. Uh, we have a fucking rivalry here. Okay, we need to. Well, there's someone give else. It some time. Doesn't matter about you two anyway. Okay. Okay. Here's the Twitter man whose name is Tom Taylor. Twitter handle Tom Taylor made. Nice. Ah. This is so you're both now filming me <laughs> from different angles. So weird. Um Taylor made. Let me just okay, so here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. So hey. I hey. somehow managed to book a creepy log cabin to do some intensive writing in for a few days. I've been laughing to myself about just how cliche horror movie this cabin is. But at 5.30 a.m. out of nowhere, despite it blowing a gale there for hours, wind chimes started chiming up for the first time on the porch. Uh. Now, I'm just going to go to bed, but I'm not. uh, But I cannot sleep through, which is annoying. The spontaneous wind chimes are wrecking my head. uh, So I'm going out there. Don't. So he says, and I see the wind chimes hanging on a rusty hook. I figure I can just reach them and I walk out onto the porch in my socks and the door immediately slams shut behind me. (gasps) Of course. So I frantically check the door is not locked, which it isn't. Uh, I'm not stuck on this porch in this gale in my socks and T-shirt, but I do hear something in the bushes. No. I don't think much of it. There's been possums running around the roof all night. Cute Australian possums. Uh, Cute Australian possums. Not those weird US ones. It's the bush. Things are allowed to move in bushes. I managed to stand on my tippy toes to grab the rusted wind chimes from the rusting nail they're hanging on when I hear the noise again. Now I'm kind of giggling to myself because of how creeped out I'm feeling. (laughs) So I grab my phone to take a photo of the murder cabin I'm riding in for a few days. And here it is. So I'm just showing the gals. So it's the dead of night and it looks like a cabin. No, no, just all the no vibes. But would look great on our Pinterest board. (laughs) (laughs) And straight after I take the photo, there's a flash. I check to see if my phone's flash is on. It isn't. I tried to turn it off to take another photo, but something flashes over me (gasps) and it didn't come from my phone. And there's the sound again, but this time it's heavier, like a footstep. Oh, no. Then there's another flash against the wall of the cabin. (gasps) 
I pull my phone out of my pocket thinking I've left the torch on, which somehow I have. And I've managed to shine it on my own face ah! as, I, as I try to turn it off to take another photo of the cabin. Stop taking photos. But then I realized I didn't shine my phone in my face. Something else flashed in my face. My brain is yelling at me. I'm telling myself I'm being stupid. And I did flash myself in the face. And the footstep was probably a kangaroo or something. So I turned to confront the animal making the sound. And... At 5.30am, in the dark, outside the murder cabin, someone is standing there. Oh my God. I can't see their face. They're wearing a head torch. No. I'm running. I know. I slipped at some stage in my socks as I ran up the porch. I definitely kicked the wind chimes. I ran through the door, slammed it shut and locked it. And here's the thing. Several tweets later, I'm sure it was probably just a super early morning jogger or something. Someone was curious about the guy standing in his socks taking photos of the (laughs) cabin with a flash. (laughs) But if it wasn't, I'm letting you all know just in case. And here's this really helpful picture I accidentally took mid panic run if you need photographic evidence to go with this testimony. Blurry panic run photograph of the ground. Um. Update, I just heard the wind chimes again. The wind chimes, I know for a fact, are not hanging up anymore. Do you remember he hit hit off them when he went back in? Okay, this is screwed. I am not joking. Lying in bed with the bedroom door just suddenly blew open with a bang. Oh, come on, he says, (laughs) as he posts a picture of the fucking door handles come off in his hand. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So I realise it's been eight hours. So eight hours has passed. <laughs> so that was his last tweet for, for eight hours. So I just want to let you know I'm okay. The story didn't end there, but my phone battery died and the charger was outside in my car. Obviously. <laughs> so, you know, physically impossible to retrieve. Uh, so this is what happened next. Before my phone died, I spoke to my wife, told her I was sure I'd be fine. <laughs> what a reassuring <laughs> phone call. Just checking in to tell you I'm sure I'm, I'm going to be fine. fine. And then he took a video of the bedroom ceiling. Uh, so I'm lying in bed and the ceiling is making this sound. And then my phone died. So here's a little video of the sound the ceiling makes. It's casual 24 hours will pass before this fucking plays. Can you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. It's ticking. It's fucking ticking. Yeah. Okay. There's also a photograph going along the ceiling. It's just M- MDF ceiling with shitty. Oh yeah, uh, it's kind of like chip wood or something. Exactly. So he's lying. I'm lying there staring at the ceiling, which is apparently counting down to my death, <laughs> when the wind chime rattle across the porch floor, and then something very big runs across the roof. I'm assuming it was a large possum. And definitely not a hell beast. Eventually exhausted, I close my eyes. And then I wake up to a bang. I'm instantly more awake than I've ever been before. I'm on my feet and I don't remember getting out of bed. Someone is bashing on the front door. Oh my God. I'm standing motionless in my underwear, ignoring the still ticking ceiling, trying not to breathe too loudly. I'm, tr- I'm trying not to make a single sound. I am a petrified ninja. <laughs> the bashing starts again without stopping to do anything sensible that would make me feel less vulnerable, like putting on pants. I walk slowly to the front door and there's a large shadow on the Venetian blinds. Very big person is standing on the porch of this remote cabin. 
The bashing starts again. I eloquently call out, what? (laughs) The bashing stops. I see the guy shift. And then he calls out, package. (laughs) After the night I've had, there's no way I'm opening the door to a stranger delivering a package to a remote cabin. Also, I'm in my underwear. Also, I can't open the door because I frantically locked it during the night and I have no idea what I've done with the keys. He calls out, can you sign for it? After a way too long and awkward pause, I say, no. <laughs> Helpfully, I call out, just leave it there, mate. I can't really. Just leave it. <laughs> so what are we thinking? So there's just a small package on the porch. It's fucking <laughs> delivery guy. Uh, <laughs> that's the end of Taylor's story. <laughs> I just thought it was gas. <laughs> Wasn't it gas? It was... <laughs> Like the absolute like commitment of that pack- package delivery man. Do we think that was the same package delivery man yeah. in the middle of the night? It's, yeah, eight hours had passed and he was retelling the story. Oh, for, so yeah, okay, then eventually okay, okay, he just, okay, that okay. was the package. So he tried to go to sleep, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> like who was more terrified of who there? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the package guy with the torch on his head. <laughs> just like reclusive guy who wouldn't come out of the door. Running around the After inside of the cabin. After ordered something. <laughs> like running from you at speed. Yeah. Oh, but it really reminded me of my freaky writing shed in Kerry. Oh, yeah. Where I had a near nightly, like, panic spiral. Because it's just, it's so rare that you're alone in the darkness. Without in the middle around. of nowhere. Like, when you grow up in the city, like, it's never quiet. You could, like, I can it's hear my neighbours open their drawers. Like, mm. I could just whisper, I'm getting and they'd be right in like (laughs) you know I wouldn't even have to scream for help but he used to really freak me out when I was like staying down in Kerry and yeah I was getting great work done but I I was barely sleeping at night we should do an overnight somewhere yes Lofters Hall yeah I'll only bring one Ouija board we'll only do 90 Ouija boards (laughs) can I bring my mom yeah okay do you remember what happened to that granny in the last? <laughs> <laughs> um, that was very enjoyable. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you, Jen. And Jen. That was great. Well what, done. What, do you want to read your, do you want to do a dramatic reading of Wikipedia or will I do, I've got a little midi here. Well, can we have some buzz? We never, a, I never buzz for You uh, never did some, a buzz. Do you yeah. want to do a kind of a retroactive one? No, no. The, the I've blown my load already. So that was it. Sorry. Jen blows her load. Um, the BuzzFeed headline it should be a good one for this because it's um, it's gripping but I can't think of one oh, God, <laughs> for God's do, sake do you want us to come back to you will I do yeah 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 <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. Do you, got, you do yours okay I've got everyone thinks their neighbours are arseholes mm. that's my you know how's okay. your father okay <laughs> Okay, so we're in Cleveland, Ohio. Ohio. Uh-huh. And it's not too long ago. It's May 6th, 2013. Okay. So neighbors didn't think much of the white clapboard house on the corner of Seymour Avenue. If I had to give this house a Pinterest aesthetic, it looks like the house of a Mormon mom blogger. 
It's like white. Vast. It's quite big. Yeah. It's kind of like white wooden slats all over the outside of it. Kind of a porch door. Full of children. It looks kind of like just wholesome. Okay. I reckon. Not obviously (coughs) detached. It's on the corner. So it's attached. It's semi semi deep. Yeah. um, I can give you the full myhome.ie. Two two story. (laughs) Um, 1,400 square foot, which is actually not really that big, but, you know. Three beds. I mean, I'd take it. They actually have, they squeezed four bed into it. Only one bathroom. Oof. I know. It's probably like a downstairs bathroom too. That's really going to affect like the. That uh, toilet is under serious pressure. <laughs> it's under siege. Isn't it? Yeah. Unfinished basement. Oh, that's always. And it's a period dwelling. Okay. Probably in need of modernization. Okay. Anyway, okay, so <laughs> just done the old Lisney cell. May 6th, um, neighbor Angel Cordero starts hearing screams coming from his neighbor's house, coming from the front door. And he goes over there to find a woman on the other side of the door, hysterical. But his Ang- neighbor, yeah, sorry. his neighbor, who he knows. No. Okay. Angel, um, his English isn't great. So he's having a bit of difficulty understanding her, but she is beside herself. But she can't get out of the screen door of the front of her house. Jesus. And that's when another neighbor comes over from across the street, a guy called Charles Ramsey. And I feel like this is not a three man job. A screen door <laughs> should be an easy thing to break through. Well, they end up breaking the bottom half of the screen, not the actual frame of the door. They manage to kind of pull out mm. the actual screen bit. Were they trying I mean? to not damage the. It feels like an emergency. Just yeah, no, break no, I the think. the fucking thing open. <laughs> well, one of them does. Like, we don't want to damage the frame, <laughs> is the only thing. No, they did, but they fucked it open anyway. And the woman came crawling through, crawling. dragging with her. Oh, a six-year-old child. Oh, God. Alive. Alive. Jesus. Um, she said that they were being kept inside the house. And then she ran to the house of another neighbor, dialed 911 and said, help me. I've been kidnapped and I've been missing for 10 years. Oh. And I'm here and I'm free now. <gasps> With her child. With her child. That she had there. I yeah. know this story. I feel like we all remember this yeah. because it was so only, recent. Yeah, it was 2013. And I vividly remember the kind of like oh, unveiling of the horrors. Jesus. Mm. Do you remember as well the <clears throat> aerial shots of the... Anyway, go on. I don't remember aerial shots. Well, maybe I'm onto the wrong story. I mean, there has been a, a few, unfortunately. But, well, I think this one, though, was almost... It's kind of one of the first in the States, maybe. No, mm. it wasn't the first at all. But, like... I just, I don't know. There was something about it that was really heartbreaking. So what age was this woman? Okay, so um, there was three women. This woman um, was Amanda Berry. But there was three women inside the house. Michelle Knight, Amanda Berry and Gina De Jesus. And none of them had been seen for 10 years. So and we're talking about they were all in their square like, foot house. Yeah, we're talking about for ten like, years more generous proportions and square footage than my own house. <laughs> so I'll stop with the real estate. Okay, for ten years on the corner of this 
suburban street. And they couldn't get the fucking basement renovated in that whole time. <sighs> Dragging their feet. Um, so they were all in their like late 20s to kind of, uh, I think the oldest one might have been in her early 30s when they were found. They'd all been taken a year apart. So Michelle Knight went missing in 2002. When she was what age? When she was 21. She was the oldest. Amanda Berry disappeared <clears throat> almost a year exactly after, um, the day before her 17th birthday. And the last woman, the following year again in 2004, when she was just 14. Jesus. So, Michelle Knight, uh, she disappeared in August of 2002 after leaving a cousin's house. And she was 21 years old at the time. And the day she disappeared, she had been scheduled to appear in court over a child custody case. So the state had taken her son into, I suppose, protective custody. And um, basically, at the time of her disappearance, the police put virtually no effort into finding out what had happened to her because they just assumed that she'd run away. Well, of course. I mean, Uh, she's not a minor. And being angry that she, her son had been taken away and then yeah. basically they were like, she must have just pissed off. So hardly any efforts were made um, when she disappeared. So the following year, Amanda Berry, um, who is the woman who got out the front door, she um, disappeared in April, uh, the day before her 17th birthday. She had just been getting a lift home from her job at Burger King um, she'd rung her sister at about 8 p.m. in the evening to say she was getting right home. Um, the FBI initially thought she was a runaway. And um, again, I think because she was just that bit older. And uh, then a week after she had disappeared, um, there was a call to her mother at home. Uh, a man who said, I have Amanda. She's fine and will be coming home in a couple of days which was when they then flipped the investigation into a very fucking concerted effort to find Amanda. Mm. And she became a very kind of well-known sort of face of abducted women. Like um, her story would have been included on America's Most Wanted and um, the Oprah Winfrey show, Montel Williams. What surrounded her? Like where was she? Well, know, the last she was heard of was this phone call to her sister after she'd gotten off work. Okay. Literally, so was, that was it. Okay. And there was no, like, nothing, nothing to point anyone in any direction at all. Um, and so, funny enough, how I got to this story was through the Montel Williams show. Do you remember that? I do remember that. Cassie won't. <laughs> um, Never heard of it. The, <laughs> the Montel Williams show had a regular contributor called Sylvia Brown who was a real fucking piece of work. She was a celebrity kind of psychic. That's right. And she used to constantly insert herself into missing children cases. And she... She often wore a denim jacket. Yes. With blonde hair. Mad eyes. Yeah. Eyes of a madzer and blonde hair. And kind of like, like a kind of a blonde wig on a sort of a skeletal sort of face. Yeah. Oh yeah. And such a bitch. Yeah. Like she'd just be there like, to a grieving parent but like, your son's dead I remember like, that yeah um, ugh, he's dead he's dead quit quit whining he's near water they, she says shit oh, yeah. like that you know yeah. the way they're always full of bullshit yeah. like 
there's a boulder. It's I'm seeing so something evil, purple. Yes. Because everybody, because those parents would oh. be completely hooked on every word she said with yes. the suggestion of anything. And she was wildly wrong. Obviously. So much of the time. How did she sleep at night? She also wrote 40 books. 40 books? I, I know. I she went. wasn't sleeping at night. <laughs> <laughs> writing shite books. <laughs> Enjoying some amphetamines and doing some work. I couldn't find her book list though. I wanted to like, I was like, are these fucking pamphlets? Yeah. But mm. anyway, so she was a real fucking piece of work and she told Amanda Berry's mother in 2004 on the Montel Williams show that her daughter was dead. Fuck you. What a bitch. And yeah. a totally wrong and person. And it devastated Amanda Berry's mother. Gosh. Obviously. And Amanda Berry's mother died thinking. Oh no. Yeah. She died before her daughter was recovered. No. Yeah, in 2006 from heart no. failure. She basically died oh, less than two years after heart. fucking meeting Sylvia Brown. And take it for, for poor old Amanda. I'm home. Yeah, I know. Jesus. God. So the last girl to go missing, our woman, was, well, she was a girl at the time, Georgina, uh, nicknamed Gina. 14-year-old. Uh, De Jesus, and she was 14, exactly. And um, this was in 2004. And uh, so like Amanda Berry, for example, had been big news the year before this um, and in the area. So, OK, that stuff's kind of floating around. Yeah. Um, Michelle Knight, as I said, really overlooked. Dumb. Nobody yeah, cared. Nobody cared. And I'm sure there was definitely some, Who was at the, you know, the door, so kind of uh, prejudice against Michelle Knight among. Oh, well, you know sure, what I mean? Because she was a young and, yeah. mother. She'd lost her child, you know. She was it's a bad just, egg anyway. It fucking just reeks of kind of yeah. ambivalence, doesn't it? Mm. So anyway, poor Gina de Jesus. Um, she was last seen at a payphone uh, about 3 p.m. on the day that she disappeared, April 2nd, 2004. And she was on her way home from middle school. Mm. Like fucking first year or something. Oh, So was she... And she was walking with her friend. Okay. Um, Arlene, who they wanted to do a sleepover. So they'd gone to this payphone so that the friend Arlene could call her mom and say, oh, can, can Gina sleep over? And the mom said, nah. And they kind of parted ways. Fucking hell, you'd regret oh. that one, huh? And that was when... She was picked up. Well, that was when Arlene's dad appeared. Now, Arlene had already gone and Gina was just there. And Arlene's dad offered Gina a lift home. Oh, oh. nice. And so recognizing him, she accepted the offer. Obviously. And never to be seen again. No one witnessed her abduction. An amber alert was not what do issued. You mean? Hang on. So no one witnessed the abduction. There was no abduction. She got into her friend's dad's car. So who was Arlene's dad? Fuck. Okay. So Arlene's dad was the kid was a fucking arsehole. Um, yeah. yeah But she recognised him And she just said Yeah I'd love a lift home Thanks Arlene's dad But this is the very But how did he get her back into the house? Back into his house? Yeah Okay so I'll bring you back in time And we'll sort yeah, that yeah, out yeah. We'll sort that out for you Okay so um, Of the time when uh, Gina went missing No witnesses And do you guys know what an Amber Alert is? Yeah, yeah when they, a child goes missing in the US They put out a yeah, yeah, it's called an Amber Alert because of a young girl called Amber 
they basically instated this alert after she was abducted and never found. Um, and it's just like it's within 15 minutes or something. Mm, it's very effective. Because That's everybody's it. phone lights up. and Everybody yeah. gets it immediately. And you know there's a child missing within whatever five mile radius or something like that. Exactly. So effective. But the Amber Alert wasn't um, issued. Why? Oh, because... Because they think they kept fucking thinking these kids were running away. And the father was saying like, no, whether it's an abduction or a runaway, the Amber Alert should be. Should go out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so who was Arlene's dad and why did Gina trust him? So his name was Ariel Castro and he was born in Puerto Rico in 1960. And after his parents divorced, he moved with his mom and his siblings first to Pennsylvania. And then the whole family settled in Cleveland where his dad was too but they were still split and he went to high school and he met his future wife Grimilda oh. <laughs> you gotta stop right there little Grimmy in the name of God <laughs> in the name not of a... Grimilda come on well uh, Gina's name when I was researching it I kept calling her Gina to Jesus and then I was like you can't bring that to Jen O'Dwyer <laughs> so I've just been like De Jesus and trying to sorry it out. her name is I Gina thought it was De all Jesus. one word yeah. when you were calling De Jesus I know thank you I was trying to just throw Jen off the scent of no. it Gina De Jesus it's Gina De Jesus and her mother Grimilda that's her friend's For, ma sorry Grimilda yeah Grimilda right. so uh, he met Grimilda when his family moved into the same street uh, they were all neighbours all very neighbourly around here in Cleveland Ohio and they lived kind of with their parents as a couple. And then they moved into their house on the corner of Seymour Avenue in the early 90s. They went on to have four kids. Castro played bass in local bands. He worked as a bus driver. Was he kind of generally liked? I mean, generally liked. Seems like a very average kind of guy. No Seemed warning like signs. like reasonably sound lad, you know, one of those. But mm. crucially, had a family. I mean... Hiding in plain sight. Crucially, sound lads don't abuse the fuck out of their wives. Which he did. Which he did. Not in plain sight. But. Physically, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was a fucking animal by the sounds of. Well, the account that Grimelda's sister gives is that he. Oh, um, broke her nose, ribs, arms. He caused a blood clot on her brain that resulted in an inoperable tumour. Jesus oh, Christ. Oh, he threw her down the stairs. It was, he was arrested in 1993. So this was a year after they'd moved into the house together um, for domestic violence, but was not indicted by a grand jury for fuck's sake. So... So he was not sentenced to any time. Well, he wasn't, yeah, like... Good Lord. And nothing came of that. Grimelda moved out, got custody of their four kids, including Arlene. Grim by name. <laughs> Poor old Grimelda. And, right, this is sick making. The police assisted in her moving out and detained Castro while she was moving out. But still, like, no charges are being pressed. Like, even though, like, they're dealing with such an arsehole that they have to fucking supervise him while his ex-wife moves out so that he doesn't hurt her. But she got away then. She got away. Um, so he's left in the house. She gets she, away with the she kids. She gets away with the kids and right. he's left in the house. So okay. when Arlene rings her mother 
for a different together. sleepover. That's it's like 10 years house. after they have moved out of... Oh. Yeah. Totally oh. different house. It's totally different and house. Okay. Yeah. She would have seen this, the dad, from, he would have been hovering around school. Around, or, in and yeah. out. Totally, yeah. Yeah, that's Arlene's dad. Definitely. As a small enough, like, you know, they were streets away from each other. Yeah. And even like, you know, when Amanda Berry's mother got that anonymous call saying, I have your daughter did she recognize the voice no but they had um like they had a technology enough to isolate the signal to within kind of a sort of two and a half miles sort of radius oh. sorry was this next what sorry where what was the proximity of their houses um when you say neighbor you don't mean next door neighbor. not next okay. door not next but door. like close in a community but close enough like, in a community that like they, you're visiting the same spaces yeah yeah often. definitely same aldi like. yeah same aldi oh um, so uh, Castro lost his job as a bus driver Like how do you fucking Come on <laughs> Well he was fired for bad judgement What does that mean? Knocking down a few things I'd say Well <laughs> Some of these I feel like Jeez I'd, I'd chance this Making an illegal U-turn with children on his bus Okay <laughs> Using his bus to go grocery shopping <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. It was a big shop. IKEA. <laughs> it was a big Lads. shop. Yeah. Uh, get the big funny. shop in. It was the Christmas shop, probably. Um, let me see. Leaving a child on the bus while he went for lunch. That seems really <laughs> problematic. All right. <laughs> and leaving the bus unattended while he took a nap. So he's driving children around. A bus. A child. Fucking school, school children. A school bus. Yes. Wow. Un fucking real. You would think they'd do a bit of a background. I guess he didn't have a record. Yeah, but all it. the domestic violence stuff. But at the same it time, it should be noted. Yeah. yeah. If he so, if he's not charged, it doesn't come up on his That's record. That's it. Yeah. But surely it comes up that he's in court for something. No, or is it? So just would he have been driving Arlene around? Like, do you think he? I'd say that out. she definitely would have maybe. Well, Arlene was his daughter now. Sorry, it's Gina, was Gina. His victim. Uh, yeah, like I'd say she's definitely like, that's Arlene's dad. He drives the bus. He does. Oh, sometimes he picks but Arlene up. Do you up think he picked her? Put the eye right. on her. Yeah. He said later that it was all crimes of opportunity, his abductions. Okay. Um, in that, like, he just sees the moment if it came up. That but that's so fucking terrifying, isn't it? Because like, yeah. the opportunities, if you're that way inclined, like, if he has a. A penchant for kidnapping people. You're going to see people walking alone all the all time. All the time. Yeah, totally. Did they share anything visually in common? The girls, the women. Yeah, no. women. No, I mean they're all I different mean, ages as well. Well, there's a few Gina years between 14. them. Gina's fourteen. She's the youngest when they, and then Michelle was the oldest at twenty. Oh yeah, he continued to threaten um, and attack his ex-wife. Like even so, after they've separated. Even after they separated. And she actually filed charges in the domestic relations court, accusing him of inflicting multiple severe injuries on her and of, quote, frequently abducting their daughters. Right. So there's a pattern of behavior there. Oh, my God, there is. And that was in 2005. So stressful year for Ariel Castro because he had three fucking women tied up in his house at the time that these domestic relations court shit was going. Wait a minute. Yeah. Surely he was having visitation rights with his children. Were his children in the house? People visited the house. Now, I don't know about his kids, but I read one interview from a guy who went to see about buying a bass guitar. Okay. Two weeks before everything blew up. And? And he was like... Sound like there was 
Maybe a dog upstairs, that's all. They're upstairs in the house. They're upstairs in They're the house. They're not in like a soundproof basement. Uh, uh, are they, they are together? in bedrooms upstairs, in like the three bedrooms that are upstairs. Are they locked into them? Yeah. Can they say so, they are they not making noise when people come? Not that they should like not that I'm like, do they not make noise? But no, I mean, there was no kept, disturbances. There was never even a whiff of any neighbor calling in a complaint. Nothing at all. Fuck. Was it, could they speak to each other? Yeah. Well, they were they to, speaking to each other? Yes, they were speaking to each other. They were delivering each other's babies. Fuck. Oh my god. Well, Amanda Berry was such... the only one who had a surviving child. Oh god. Yeah. So So the babies were were born stillborn or, or died soon after? Induced miscarriages. Right, okay. In as a form of contraception. Uh, how did he do that? Beating. He beat Fuck. her. I mean it is fucking grim I basically no wonder they didn't make a noise they were totally terrified that's it they probably terrorised so, yeah. them he completely just yeah he just abused them and psychologically what kind tortured of them a fucking satanic monster does that on fucking real like it's actually hard to comprehend yeah of course it is but what so basically uh, his kind of MO was he'd bring them back to the basement initially yeah so as per your kind of I think he basically saw it as like this phase of breaking them down. Yeah. He'd bring them to the basement. And then when he'd completely just annihilated their sort of spirit, like he'd bring them upstairs and be like, there now. You can and live in that room. Behaved as kind and of... And they were given like one meal a day. They were abused and tortured daily. Just constant. And it's all of the things. Like, I don't Raping, even... everything. Everything, yeah. yeah. And... Did they have any They contact? had, like, plastic bucket in each of their room. And, he, like, it was infrequently emptied. They toilet. weren't uh, allowed to use the toilets. The toilet. Sorry, the one bathroom, as we know. He kept that for himself. <laughs> they were allowed to have a shower, like, maybe once a week. Like, he just completely broke them down and treated them like animals... Like worse than animals. Yeah. And like that is how he kept them. He just absolutely terrorized them. Some he started doing this thing where he started testing them. Like where he would leave their doors unlocked mm. or the door Yeah, it was their doors. So it was the doors onto the main hallway unlocked. And then he'd wait in the hall to see if anyone see, made a right. And if anyone first. tried Anything. Just rain terror. He'd rain terror down on her in front of the other two to show you this is what you get. Charming. Absolutely charming. In 2007, um, Amanda Berry's daughter was born. Do you know what's sad like for a guy like that? Worst case scenario for him is life in prison or he's put to death. He will never suffer the way they did. No. No. Oh, yeah. No. But I just feel like he's like nothing touches him either. Well, I like guess how do you how torture, do you torture somebody who's so who, empty? Ha- who feels no, pa- yeah, yeah, who feels has no emotion? They can't yeah. affect them really. Yeah, he um, so say for example when uh, Amanda Berry um got pregnant, and there's no sense of why he let her have the baby. Have the baby? Oh, yes. But he did say that if the baby died, he'd murder her too. Um, 
So he did want... Was the baby male or female? Did that matter? A little girl. Um, oh, God. I don't know. It was just a did thing he, hurt he her? said Did he while hurt the child? I, I don't know. Right. I don't... I haven't read anything like that. Okay. Let's presume no. Let's just to, hope yeah. no. Yeah. He did set up basically like a child's paddling pool in the basement, like the unfinished because basement Because he had other children. For... Amanda Berry to give oh, birth in oh, Jesus. assisted by the two other women like holy fucking hell like just think of what that worse. scene was like Jesus it's worse than The Handmaid's Tale I mean it, it truly is oh my god it's just so grim then what happened and then like thank god like Amanda Berry and her daughter survived and her daughter like you know grew up then for the next few years until she was six in this scenario Fuck and them. like um, Ariel Castro used to bring her out sometimes and like kind of bring her around the to the see what was happening family I mean, members be? he'd be like oh she's my new girlfriend's kid from a previous relationship he'd say to like his mom this he is funny because this, this is how to, um, this is how the guy who kidnapped JC DeGard was caught as well because didn't he take her the two kids that she had in captivity to a campus no I don't know Okay, and did another. they say something? And then the campus security saw him with two children and said it to someone and the person, it's he like said they were the his children or his grandchildren and somebody knew that he didn't have kids. Uh, and that's how that one was uh, uncovered. But yeah, it was out publicly with children that were had in captivity. Yeah. Pretty sure in that other was words, JCD people guard. noticed children. Yes. You know? Yes. And he just was so fucking cavalier. Like, I think it's the fucking ego of it that like, you know, they get into this mindset of like, I'm a fucking powerful monster God and I'm untouchable. And I kind of think he just took this little girl out to kind of taunt almost like I think he got off on like kind of the colliding worlds of like. Ha, none of you know. None of you have any idea. Do you know what I mean? Is she okay now? She's okay. Is the child okay? Yeah. Yeah. The child's okay. What happened to them? So, um, this, like, basically kept them captive up there for 10 years. Like, and So was it, te- it wasn't 10 years for everybody. Or it was, because there was only a it year was, between. It was, there was a year between them. So sorry, yeah, I'm just trying to do the quick maths. 2002, so Michelle would have been a bit longer. Okay. She's like 11 years and then 10 for Amanda, 9 okay. for, um, yeah. So, Jesus. after the... No access to the outside world, television. Mm. I have no sense of TV. Okay. They obviously, like, had each other somewhat. Yeah. But, yeah. God. It's a long old time, and it's a small space, and it's residential. It's hard it's to imagine impossible. nobody noticed imagine anything. Imagine just thinking about people the house. in the house. The house on the corner of your street. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I, the only thing it's kind of even coming close to is fucking Fred and Rosemary West House. Yeah. Um, so basically, on May 6th, 2013, um, Castro didn't lock the um, big inside door. So he had like a big front door and then there was a porch with the screen and he didn't lock the door and like all of them were like, it's a test, it's a test, it's a test, yeah. you know. And then Amanda, I don't know, like just went for it she just fucking went for it grabbed her daughter's hand nothing just yeah and she raised the alarm the police came back i mean sorry the police arrived after her her 911 call i'd say they didn't believe her i mean it sounds so what did she look like did she look like a person who'd been been, like undernourished for 10 years and stuff yeah yeah but also i think because she was coming out to neighbors 
she would have been a stranger to them and yeah. it was it, the whole the thing circumstances would have been so unusual yeah how did they react the police yeah well they arrived and they came through the house like you know announcing themselves guns drawn and everything and michelle the oldest one came out into the hall and basically like threw herself on one of them saying like save me you've saved me i mean it's so heartbreaking and then um gina came out of the other room and they were all taken to the hospital and then um ariel castro was charged four kinds of kidnapping rape he pled guilty to 937 criminal counts of rape kidnapping and aggravated murder as part of a aggravated p- murder of the unborn of yeah the- of I think that's what that refers to yeah. yeah as a part of a plea bargain so he pled guilty so he spared to them avoid. all a trial yeah he was sentenced to life plus a thousand years in prison without the possibility of parole well he died by suicide one month in fuck him fuck the person who's supposed to make sure he doesn't do that too Oh, man. Do you know what I mean? I just, That's yeah. the oh, worst. It's so frustrating. In a way, though, for the victims, do you think him being sort of gone? Just gone. Yeah, I think him being gone is probably the best yeah. solace for them. They demolished the house. Yeah. Like, raised it to the ground. And all the women attended the demolition. They And they remained in contact and helped each other tr- through? Or? I'd imagine you could... Uh, you, you, as, uh, I would have to because that's such a unique experience that you'd like how do you connect with anyone else yeah how do you ever trust anybody else like they all I mean came together to release a statement to the public um in the summer after they were released and it was a video statement and they were just basically thanking people for their support and because I remember the outrage being global and like this did affect a lot of people and um, they did set up a kind of a GoFundMe to help the women transition back into a kind of a normal life yeah. um, which like hit a million. But it's that's yeah. that's all that has to be that's so, such a tricky thing you know it's just that's no good at all unless yeah, it's managed for them and imagine imagine I know like you know Gina never got to finish high school yeah skipping your education from 14 to 21 skipping all those formative years but also how much the world changed between 2004 and 2014 yeah like all the tech advancements it would be so it's literally like going into a coma and waking up in the future and knowing and then your mother has died I'm sure there's people yeah but even the weirdness of seeing everyone you knew 10 years older. Totally. I'd say there's a feeling of like guilt at, you know, and not being there for t- times as well. Do you know? Like totally, but obviously the not their fault. you would but feel but, yeah. those, oh, oh, those yeah. years are stolen from you. Like, and then the actual insufferable abuse that you've been put through. But I think you must have to deal with a lot of like that kind of self-blame as well that kicks in for people. As, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I think it must just be really complicated to try and yeah. even to let yourself off the hook and be like, I'm a fully a victim here. Because, yeah. you know, that. But looking of, at the pain that your parents have been suffering and mm. feeling like, well, I was a lot, I was, you know, I would You'd be a different person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, they did go on to, like, there's some nice things, I think, in the kind of aftermath. Like, um, they gave some interviews. Um, they said, uh, I know Michelle, the oldest one, changed her name um, after she got out and she f- tracked down her son 
Do you remember she yes, had a son who'd been yeah, taken yeah. off her and she tracked him down and she's um parent she wants to see him but she doesn't want to kind of like disturb his Obviously, life yeah. and what, especially what he, with her level there? of ordeal. Do you know right. that kind of way? Totally. Like she basically has said that she won't try to make contact with him until after he becomes an adult. Okay. Which is I think just one of the most selfless things I've ever heard. Yeah. Truly, isn't yeah. it? Well, you'd want to work on yourself, you know, that way you'd want to be like, OK, I need to get back to some semblance of who yeah. I was before. And that that yeah. might take time. She wanted to open a restaurant and she said she wanted to open a restaurant and get married. And she did get married uh, in oh. 2016. And she also wants to adopt children, God, which life. is obviously hopefully bringing some good yeah, out yeah. of the situation for her. Um, the two young ones, Amanda and Gina, got their high school diploma, an honorary high school diploma. Um, Gina is doing work with the Amber Alert Committee. Wow. And working with the families of abducted children. Amazing. And she remains in touch with Michelle Great. and her family. And then in 2017, Amanda, the kind of middle one, the one who has a daughter, by the monster. Um, uh, yeah, there's another. I fucking hell, I know. She joined the staff at um, a news team in Cleveland where she hosts kind of like a recurring series um, about reporting on missing person cases. And she kind of also works with families and works to reunite them with family members. And Amazing. Isn't That's it? That's incredible. Amazing. They've, gone they've on all gone on and, and, and really turned it around yeah. like massively. Do you know what would be interesting as well to about his ex-wife mm. how that kind of do you know I'd say it'd be really hard for his children yes, because of course it would anyone who came into the house would probably feel a sense of and terrible guilt yeah yeah oh my god yeah Ugh. it's just inconceivable yeah it is I think like when now his wife um she died um grim Grim, yeah, Grimelda died. Uh, God, let me just scan through this. I, she actually died as a result of complications of that brain tumour that oh, he fucking for caused for her to have. Sake. I know. Um, oh, God. I'm just trying to scan back through this uh, to see if she died before or after. <sighs> I can't find it off. But you're right about his children as well. Like the kind of ripple effect of those mm. horrific crimes just endless like what Sorry, do you do Sorry. what do you he do had, if your parent is a monster it was the year before the women were discovered she oh, didn't live okay. to see it thankfully she missed out on that additional bit of an additional bit of um, but torture like the, visited on her. obviously there's a lesson here in that like he had a pattern of violent behaviour towards women from as early on as what 1994 when they separated hmm I mean, yeah, and they did find a suicide note that he had written in the early 2000s um, in the house when they went to search it after uh, releasing the women. And he talked about um, being abused himself as a child uh, when he was nine. Um, I mean, it's a rambling, raving, ravings of an egomaniac who's obviously come far, far from the kind of damaged child that he was, you know, but... Yeah, like, it's just a cycle, I guess. Hmm. Sorry, fun. Okay. Wasn't fun. No, no, happy ending. Well, I uh, thought that there, there was something were, there in that, yeah. like, Gina, Michelle and Amanda are alive. were amazing. Yeah. 
they and kept each other alive. Be, yeah. Yeah. I think of the three of them in the paddling pool, oh, in God. the birthing pool. I know that's weird, but like I keep thinking about that. I'm just like, there was these three women in this impossible situation. In the middle of a, si- I mean, and the they middle were just of so everything. Strong. Like they were so much stronger than the fucking monster who yeah. kept, kept them. Do you know what I mean? But he's gone now and they live on. And so. they survived, yeah. Fuck, it's so dark. Why are we here? Anyway, okay, how on. we got here? And tis the Reverse creep died. back up out of this hole, bring us down a different Cassie, hole. what do you have? Is it like, is it a whimsical hole? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a mystery. So earlier on when I realised that we were recording tonight, I went on my Google... Earlier on tonight? Earlier on today. Disgrace. Unsolved mysteries. <laughs> into the Google machine <laughs> to see what comes up. I spent an awful lot of time researching babies who were switched at birth, but like oh, just wouldn't settle on one story that I wanted to relate. So I'll come back to that later on. Um, but I came across this case. It reminded me so much of the story of Lyle, the unidentified guy that was found in a motel room. In the closet. In the closet. Vivid, vividly. We'll always remember I'll that. never forget to see that image yeah the one where it was do not google friends. we did it in one of our first episodes it was the the man with no name or something yeah. anyway go check that out if you haven't listened to it so it's a very similar one but it happened long before so just get into it because i'm just reading this wikipedia page for the first time also kind of it must be so exciting for you too Cass. like yeah, how like is it gonna end three creeps in one tonight it's such a surprise um no i have read through most of it but i have not read all the way to the end because it's quite long and um you guys arrived Jen arrived early and we just had chats instead of research. Well, I, I did mine. But I'm just saying. You had done your homework. Yeah. Did, was it was it hard actually just re- <laughs> reading those tweets in chronological did order? You not, did you not enjoy it? Loved it. Um, okay. On the 1st of December, 1948 at 6.30 a.m. Oh, there's a lot of detail in this Wikipedia page. We're going to enjoy this. Um, the police were contacted after the body of a man was discovered on Somerset Beach or Somerton Beach about 11 kilometres southwest of Adelaide, South Australia. The man was found lying in the sand across from the crippled children's home. Their words, not mine. Which was... This is fucking... Perhaps this is why we don't just read Wikipedia pages on the podcast. It's not that bad. You gotta leave this in. It's absolutely gas. Okay. Because <laughs> this isn't a funny story. Sorry. Back in the room. Well, whatever little lull we can glean then. He was lying back with his head. He was lying back with his head resting against the seawall with his legs extended and his feet crossed. It was believed he had died while sleeping. An unlit cigarette was on his right collar of his coat and a search of his pockets revealed an unused second class rail ticket from Adelaide to Henley Beach, a bus ticket from the city that could not be proved to have been used, a narrow aluminium American comb, a half empty packet of juicy fruit chewing gum an army club cigarette packet containing seven cigarettes of a different brand and a quarter box of Bryant and May matches a tiny piece of rolled up paper with the world's Taman Shud printed on it was found in a fob pocket sewn in within the dead man's trouser pocket what's a fob pocket like a fake one I think it was like a fake pocket it was like a pocket sewn into a pocket Public library officials called in to translate the text, identified it as a phrase meaning ended or finished. The reverse of the paper was blank. So police were conducting an Australia-wide search to find a copy of the book that could possibly, because it was printed, not written, where this possibly could have come from. And so a photograph of the scrap of piece of paper was released to the press. 
Can we see? Oh, no, don't, don't worry. Yeah, we'll put one on the Instagram or the Twitter or whatever. <laughs> Witnesses who came forward said that on the evening of the 30th of November, they had seen an individual resembling the dead man lying on his back in the same spot and position um, where the corpse was later found. A couple who saw him around 7 p.m. noted that they saw him extend his right arm to its fullest extent and then drop it limply. Another couple saw him from 7.30 to 8, during which time the streetlights had come on. They said that they hadn't seen him move during that half hour, um, but they had the impression that he was drunk or asleep. Um, and they said that it was odd that he wasn't reacting to any mosquitoes that came near him. Um, and they said that they watched a man observing him from the top of the steps that led to the beach. So it was basically a man standing up there watching over him. Yeah. Wait a minute. So th- someone did see him move. So someone saw him move. So it's this. But they saw s- his arm just go. Someone saw him lift down. his arm from 7 to 7.30 at some time there. And then another couple, another set of witnesses said that between 7.30 and 8, they noticed him. He wasn't really moving, but they had the impression that he was asleep or drunk rather than right. being concerned. They said in one statement that um, they had... They felt like he had moved. So like they looked back and he was maybe in a different position or whatever. Another witness came forward in 1959 and reported to the police that he and three other officers had seen a well-dressed man carrying another man on his shoulders along the beach the night before the body was found. This is like 10 years ago. 10 years later. So, uh, yeah, it is. So this is this is (laughs) this mystery has gone on for Carrying him on his shoulders in what, what does that so mean? So maybe he was like slumped across him and he was dragging okay. him along the beach or something. I'm loving your own surprise. <laughs> uh, no, no, I did read, th- I've read this bit. Like, it's good, right? Um, according to the pathologist at the time, John Burton, the man appeared to be British, thought to be aged between 40 to 45. He was in top physical condition. He was five foot 11 with gray eyes fair to ginger coloured hair, slightly grey around the temples with broad shoulders and a narrow waist. Top Um, physical condition is a great compliment. Yeah. Yeah. Like my corpse, what's my corpse going to get? Tired. Exhausted. (laughs) She she was, looked like life had ransacked her. (laughs) (laughs) Life had had its cruel way. Um, Question. We in Australia. Yeah. But they know he's British. They said he appears to be British. So there's a lot of clues in his attire that I'm going to get to as to why they think that he's either British or American. Okay. Um, So his hands and nails showed no sign of manual labor. um, And his toes met in a wedge shape like those of a dancer or someone who wore pointed shoes. Weird detail. Yeah, they're so detailed in this, right? Um, I can so picture those feet. Yeah, and he had pronounced high calf muscles consistent with people who regularly uh, wore boots with heels, heels or performed ballet. Oh my God, love yeah. this. He was dressed in a white shirt, a red and white blue tie, brown trousers, socks and shoes, a brown knitted pullover and a fashionable grey and brown double-breasted jacket of reportedly American tailoring. Okay. So he's a worldly man. Dapper man. All the labels on his clothes had been removed. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And he had no hat, which was unusual for 1948, which is the year that we were in. And he had no wallet. His body was clean shaven and carried no identification, which led police to believe he had committed suicide. 
His teeth did not match the dental records of any known living person. An autopsy was conducted and the pathologist estimated the time of death to be around 2 a.m. on the 1st of December. The uh, autopsy showed the last meal was was a pasty eaten three or four hours before death. Um, they were unable to reach a conclusion as to the man's identity, cause of death or whether the man had been se- whether the man seen alive at Somerton Beach on the evening of the 30th of November was the same man yeah. as nobody had seen his face. So they embalmed the body on the 10th of December, 1948. And was there any drugs were, or anything found in his system? No, there was no, there was no drugs. And there was, they suspected poison. There was no poison found in his system either. So did they put a cause of death on the desert? I'm not sure. Okay. On the 14th of January, 1949, staff, okay, so bear in mind, he had no labels on his clothes, found with that weird rolled up piece of paper. Mm. Um, on the 14th of January, 1949, so we're looking at like six weeks later, Staff at the Adelaide Railway Station discovered a brown suitcase with its label removed, which had been checked into the station cloakroom after 11 a.m. on the 30th of November 1948. Mm. It's believed that the suitcase was belonging to the man found on the beach. In the case was a red checked dressing gown, a size 7 felt pair of slippers, four pairs of underpants, pajamas, shaving items, a light brown, a light brown pair of trousers with sand in the cuffs, an electrician's screwdriver, a table knife cut down into a short, sharp instrument, a pair of scissors. A shank. Yeah, a pair of scissors Shit. with sharpened points, a small square of zinc thought to have been used as a protective sheath for the knife and the scissors, a stenciling brush. Um, What's that now? So, as used by officers on merchant ships for stenciling cargo. Oh, like marking a barrel or something? Yeah. Okay. It's a bit um, like. I use a very good brush now to apply my foundation. They are knitting now, just <laughs> taking that idea. Also in the suitcase was a thread of Barber brand orange wax thread of an unusual type not available in Australia. So it was the same as that that was used to repair the lining in a pocket of the trousers the dead man was wearing. So obviously his suitcase. All identification marks on the clothes have been removed, but police, f- ah. again, all the tags have been removed. But police. Some people just don't like tags. I do hate a tag. I take them all. But also, apparently, in 19, was when I got distracted and was looking at this, that rations, this is 1948, uh, it's post World War II, rations and buying clothes was, they were slim. So a lot of people bought secondhand clothes or acquired the clothes of dead relatives okay. and they'd often just cut off the tags so it wasn't because they would label any army people would have their names would label their clothes with their name tags I see and so they would rip the tags off or whatever so it wasn't that unusual for clothes to not have tags um, but all identification marks on the clothes have been removed but police found the name T. Keen on a tie Keen on a laundry bag and Keen without the E on a singlet along with three three dry cleaning marks from days from previous from the year previous so police believe that the, whoever removed these clothing bags clothing tags had either overlooked these three items or, items or purposely left the keen tags on them knowing that it wasn't the man's name so they thought that mm. they thought that somebody had taken off his all of these yes exactly what was unusual was that there were no spare socks found in the case and no correspondence although the police found pencils and unused stationery okay so it looked like it had been assembled Mm. the search concluded that there was no T. Keen missing in any English speaking country and a nationwide circulation of the dry cleaning marks also proved fruitless Um, 
the level of effort they're going to yeah. is impressing me so much. Yeah. I don't know why I just assumed yeah, why kind of they... like pre-1980, they were just like, ah, fuck this guy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I kind of agree. They'd like ask, like, I don't know, look, Sheila it's real in the post detective. office. It's real detective work here. Old school It detective. totally is. You're right, actually. It's such a like, it could be an Arthur Conan, Conan Doyle. Yeah, I know. I'm really enjoying this one. Well, I think I'm really enjoying all the descriptions of all the items. Yeah. Thank you, people something. of the internet who've contributed to this Wikipedia page. It's all in the reading, though. Um, <laughs> so, in fact, all that could be learned from the suitcase was that the front gusset and the feather stitching on a coat found in the case indicated it had been manufactured in the United States. So his blazer that or the coat that jacket that he was wearing also indicated that it was potentially tailored in America. So with this and the suitcase they concluded that the coat he was wearing had not been imported, but that the man had must have been from the United States or brought the coat fr- bought the coat from someone in the US. Got to be a spy or something. Yeah, post World War 2. Yeah. There is a lot of theories that he was a spy. So police checked incoming train records and believed the man had arrived at the Adelaide, Adelaide railway station by overnight train from Melbourne, Sydney or Port Augusta. They speculated he had been showered and shaved at the adjacent city baths before, but there was no bath ticket in, found on his body before returning to the train station to purchase a ticket for the 10.50 a.m. train to Henley Beach, which for whatever reason he missed or did not catch. He immediately checked his suitcase at the station cloakroom before leaving the station and catching a city bus to Glen Glen Egg, which is where he was found. Um, the The railway station bathing facilities were adjacent to the station cloakroom, which itself was adjacent to the station's southern exit onto the North Terrace. The city baths were on King William Street, where access from the were accessed from the station's northern exit via a laneway. There's no record of the station's bathroom facilities being unavailable on the day he arrived. So they don't really know what he was at or what he was doing. So back to the piece of piece of paper that was found. So following a public appeal by the police, a copy of the Rubaiyat. Is this a, is this like a. Like a, a, a religious text, does anybody know? I've never heard no. of this before. No. It's R-U-B-A-I-Y-A-T is the book. R-U-B-A-I-Y-A-T. Yeah, okay. What's Google telling us? It's telling me. So it's kind of a book of poetry? Uh, What is Rubaiyat? Yeah, Rubaiyat is a collection of poems attributed to the Persian mathematician and astronomer Omar Kayame. Okay. It also means quadrains versus four lines. So, but it is this um, Rubaiyat of Omar Kayam that seems to be what this is giving me for that. Thank you. Yes, I think that is um, the correct, that right? That fits, doesn't it? Yeah, so following a public appeal, the copy of the Rubaiyat, which had the which the page had been torn from, was found. Wow! Yeah. The actual... The actual book that what? had been ripped from was found. And That's how it amazing. was found. There's loads... There's a couple of different accounts, different newspaper articles of where it was found and how it was found. But the most common account was that it was found in the back seat of an unlocked car. <gasps> so... Detective Sergeant fuck? I know this is a great story Detective Sergeant Can we just have a little What's on the paper again It's ended or something So it is a phrase 
Let me just scroll back up. Sorry. Um, Tam tam man should, which means ended or finished. Okay. God, it's creepy. Yeah. Yeah, it's so creepy, isn't it? Yeah. So where was this car? So it's this obscure fucking book of verse by some astronomer who's like 200 years dead. Yes. So Detective Sergeant Lionel Lean, who led the initial investigation. Sorry, it's like a thousand years dead. I'm sorry. That's crazy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's and like. Where, 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 is, where does he originate? Where does the tech? Persian. Persia. And he lived from 1048 to 1123. Right. So we're just, we're getting all this different crazy, crazy locations from all over the place with this guy. Um. So uh, Sergeant Lionel, who led the initial investigation, protected the privacy of witnesses and public statements by using pseudonyms. So Lionel uh, referred to the man who found the book by Ronald Francis, but he's never been officially identified. Francis had not considered that the book might be connected to the case until he had seen the article in the newspaper. And on the inside back cover of the book... Oh yeah, it's, this is really good. On the inside back cover of the book, detectives identified indentations from handwriting which included a telephone number, an unidentified number, and a text that resembled an encrypted message. Yes. According to statements by the police, the book was found in the rear footwell of a car at about the same time the body of the unidentified man had been found. And in the same location? Yeah, so I think near enough the same location. Wow. Um, one newspaper article refers to the book being found about a week or two before the body was found. But... um. I think that that I think that's been disregarded, and um, I think the majority say that the the book was found just after the man had been found on the beach. Um, the timing is significant as the man is presumed, based on the suitcase, to have arrived in Adelaide the day before he was found on the beach. If the book was found a week or two before, it suggests that the man had visited previously or had been in Adelaide for a longer period. Mm. Most accounts state that the book was found in an unlocked parked car in Jetty Road, either in the rear floor or well, or in the back seat. Or that piece of paper had nothing to do with him and somebody placed it there after he died. But remember, it was a rolled up piece of paper in the inside secret kind of pocket. Yeah. In a pocket, in a pocket. sewn, sewn in. No, I don't think the pocket was sewn shut. Could, it was like, but there's you know, so many key things. in jeans. Jeans. But there's so That's many key me. things tying it all together here. So he had, what the thing that connected the suitcase to him was the thread that was the same thread yeah, that was used to sew to the pocket and the, mend his, the lining of his jacket. Um, yes, forgot about the thread. So the back of the book were faint indentations representing five lines of text in capital letters. The second line had been struck out, um, a fact that is considered significant due to its similarities to the fourth line and the possibility that it was just an error in how he was encrypting it. So the five lines of text... It's basically like doing an eye test. It's W or G, all capital letters, W or G O A B A B D M I L I A O I. I won't go on. It's basically it's just a codes. scramble of letters. Or a code. Has anybody deciphered it? So the book is unclear whether the first line begins with M or a W, but it's widely believed to be the letter W owing to the distinctive difference when compared to the letter M. So this has been passed on to uh code experts yes so code experts were called in the time to decipher the lines but were unsuccessful in 1978 following a request from a tv journalist Stuart litmore Depart- department of defense uh, cryptographers analyzed the handwritten text 
The cryptographers reported that it would be impossible to provide a satisfactory answer. If the text was an encrypted message, it meant that it had insufficient, insufficient symbols from which a clear meaning could be extracted mm-hmm. and the text could be meaningless uh, or the product of a disturbed mind. Very unlikely it's meaningless. I mean, but yeah, maybe a disturbed mind. But be unlikely that it's meaningless, I yeah. think. Um, so an inquest into the death conducted by coroner Thomas Cleland commenced a few days after the body was found but was adjourned until the 17th of June 1949. The investigating pathologist John Burton re-examined the body and made a number of discoveries. Cleland noted that the man's shoes were remarkably clean and appeared to have been neatly polished rather than being in the state expected of the shoes of a man who had apparently been wandering around the beach all day. He added that this evidence fitted in with the theory that the body might have been brought to Somerton Beach after the man's death, accounting for the lack of evidence of vomiting and convulsions, which are the two main effects of poison. So this was the theory because they couldn't find any clear cause of death. The theory was poison that had exited the body or whatever. Mm. Um, Thomas Cleden speculated that as none of the witnesses could positively identify the man they saw the previous night as being the same person discovered the next morning, there remained the possibility that the man had died elsewhere and had been dumped. He stressed that this was purely speculation as all the witnesses believed it was definitely the same person as the body was in the same place and lying in the same distinctive position. He also found there was no evidence as as to who the deceased was. Um, Yeah, he's got to have died there. Yeah, someone... Well, but bearing in mind there's someone saw him at like eight o'clock in the evening, and like the time of death is two a.m., isn't it? Yeah, the time of death was. Um, well, somebody could have killed him, put put him in their the clothes he was wearing, and dumped him. That would have been a good idea. You know. Yeah. If you wanted to make people think you Go died to. naturally, mm. do, you, do you know what I mean? I do. I do. Um. So um, there was theories then presented. So Cedric Stanton Hicks, professor of physiology and pharmacology at the University of Adelaide, testified that a group of drugs, variants of a drug in that group he called number one, in particular number two, were extremely toxic in a relatively small oral dose. Basically, this just goes on to say that people have theorized that he was given a dose of drugs um, and that they were they that they had sort of exited the body in the seven hours um, between his suspected time of death and when he was found. Or the dose was so small that like it was undetectable by the time. Yeah, but they have all noted that the fact not found in relation to the the, the theory, I suppose, opposing the idea that he was poisoned is that there was no vomit. Mm. Um, And that there's just no frank conclusion has been made. Um, Is there any sense that he could have died in natural causes? I don't think so. so well, it's just he was, he was in t- age. I know 40 to 45. Condition, 40 45. to 45. Um, and there's just so many weird scenarios around his, well, um, yeah. the book being distant from, completely separate from the body. And you know the car the book was found in? Was there any like story there? I don't they know. Who looks, they didn't the identify the, the actual witnesses who came forward. So, um, Cleland, the... That's weird, though, isn't it? That they didn't... Ide- they protected the identity oh, of all the witnesses who came um, who who came through. So, Cleland, the pathologist, 
basically said in the inquiry, I would be prepared to find that he died from poison, that the poison was probably a, a glucoside and it was not accidentally administered. But I cannot say whether it was administered by the deceased himself or by somebody else. So despite hmm. these, he could, he, despite this, he could not determine the cause of death of the man. Well, if it was administered to himself, there would be some evidence around his body, surely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he remarked that if the body had been carried to its final resting place and all the difficulties would disappear. So all the evidence would have been gone mm. if he was just left there. Um, after the inquest, a plaster cast was made of the man's head and shoulders. The lack of success in determining the identity and cause of death of the Somerton man led to authorities to call it an unparalleled mystery and believed that the cause of death might never be known. And Ooh. that's where it ends. That's where it ends. An amazing parallel of mystery. Do you think something like that could happen today now with the? No, because not with twenty three and me and shit. <laughs> with the internet. Oh, wonder could they identify if they have any DNA from him that they could possibly identify him now? I wonder. Would they have been able to glean look at Jurassic DNA Park? DNA evidence in in. Where was DNA at in the late forties? Would they even know that it could be relevant? No. no. Probably Jesus, not. That was the seventies, I think. Not when they're doing like such spell detective work by looking at the thread. And but that was amazing. I mean, that's pretty good going. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, they they didn't have anything else to go on. Um, unparalleled mystery. Yeah. What do they call him? Do they have a name for him? They Somerset call him the Man. Ta- the Somerton Man, Somerton. and then it's called the um, the Taman Shud case. Oh, from the note. Yeah. Amazing. No. That was a great one. I'm. Completely sick in the head, so I'm now looking at pictures. Oh, let's see this of his. Body. Oh, there's pictures of him. Yeah, there is. Is he handsome? Yeah. What? Let's see. Yeah, I would. Why do you think that there was there was such an incredible amount of focus? That's a picture of him. Yeah. Wow. I think because it's post-war and that the the things. Look how unusual he looks, though. I mean. Yeah. You would definitely he looks look like he, at that person. Da. I think as well, somebody in a kind of a suit sitting on the ground like that is yeah. just always. And the cipher, the, the you know, yeah. everything about it, the note in the pocket, the book in the car, the cipher, the suitcase in the, in the train station. There's I mean, a lot of Agatha, Agatha Christie shit. Mm. Yeah. And Plus, it's post-World War Two, and there's like the whole world is swarming with fucking Nazi war criminals trying mm. to disappear. That's well, good point. Yeah. But this man had more links to America and Britain than anything else. You know, like all of his stuff seemed to be American unless he had gotten it from a ship somewhere. God, this picture is mad. Yeah. Like his leg is cocked up, his knee. He looks asleep and comfortably asleep. He completely looks comfortably napping. It's fucking crazy. Like you can see why everyone left him alone or nobody. Like one arm kind of resting on him, on his torso and the other resting. Like as if he might have been having a cigarette. Looks like, Yeah. yeah, he might have been. It just looks like he was having a nap. And what's the story with the we- one weird cigarette and then the rest of them not weird? Like he bummed No, there one? was like seven cigarettes of a different brand to the box. So exactly. So I don't think that that's that strange. Maybe he just split in a packet with a mate, you know. Um, There's just so many unusual things in it. And nobody has ever, ever, like not even the people have read it have deciphered the cipher. Are you showing me that now? Mm. Yeah. So it's just because there's not enough characters in it to figure Carol out. Carol Vorderman could, <laughs> could be a good hit for that. Um, That's a great story. Thank you. Yeah. There you go. That was a solid uh, creep. Thank Truly. you. A surprise for everyone involved. 
Brilliant. Do the same again next time. God, there's a very tantalising Daily Mail headline attached to this. What is it? Was Summerton Man a US spy who had a secret love child with an Adelaide nurse? New evidence. New evidence. Maybe about to break open the enduring mystery of a body not washed up on a beach nearly 70 years ago, but we'll forgive you, Daily Mail. Yeah. Are you going to read any more of that there? (laughs) I know, it just trailed off after... Uh, I'm just waiting for like 23andMe. Okay. Yeah. Ancestry.com. So details suggest the Somerton man may be an American and the father of an Australian ballet dancer. Have you? Did you read this now? No. Um, so this says it was revealed the man who was found dead on a beach in South Australia may have fathered a child with an Adelaide nurse. This is the Daily Mail though. Yes, that's true. Um, <laughs> this is so how do they know that I'm just uh, I mean I'm, I'm finding out in real time here Jen more uh, more okay Faster. I'm not alone in believing she knew who the Somerton man was okay sorry sorry so University of Adelaide professor Derek Abbott believes that this nurse Joe Thompson had a child with this man he says, I'm not alone in believing she knew who the Somerton man was. I think just about every policeman involved in this case case has the same opinion. Oh. Moreover, I believe it likely that she had his child. He also believes the pair had a secret... So he believes the pair had a secret relationship. Due to the location of where the dead man's body was found and the fact her phone number was scribbled on a piece of paper found in his pocket. Ah. So she died in 2007 and denied knowing the Somerton man until her death. However, she conceded to friends in her later years she was the nurse in the case. Right. Um, so her son, Robin, died shortly after her, actually. And she was over a year old in 1948 when Summerton Man was found. So it's possible he could have been her dad. But then who still remains? She, who is he? I know. Mm, I think all this is really able to say is that um, he had this relationship, that this nurse potentially knew him, but she refused to... Well, kind of convenient to get out of jail if he did. But he could have also, she could have also met him and not known who he was. Yeah, You know, like they interacted. We still don't know. He had her phone number. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... That guy, Mr. Abbott, uh, said that the Somerton man had a rare hereditary dental condition. Oh. And he also said that um, Miss Thompson, the nurse, uh, behaved very strangely when interviewed by police. Um, Another supporting factor was um, that, sorry, the Somerton man was his muscular legs. Yeah. Similar to those a ballet dancer would have. And obviously the child went on um, to have an extreme to, ballet to, to be a ballet Had two feet, dancer. Which often dancers have. <laughs> anyway. Still Interesting. Though, yeah, this we, is so funny. This guy Abbott is really into this. In 2012, he commissioned a painting of, of the Abbott nurse. Da- of, mm, the in nurse. the hope that someone would come forward and provide crucial information. 
That's so funny. She also lived five minutes away from where he was found. Hmm. Hmm. But are we are we suggesting now that she killed him? No, hmm. but it was. They are suggesting There's that some um, that uh, that she knew him, and this is the the child that they're claiming Whoa. he fathered. Performing in the ballet in the late 60s. An amazing oh, photograph talented. of a man doing the splits. Yeah. But it still doesn't, it just, there's so much unexplained. If he is some sort of presumably American ballet dancer, what was he doing in Adelaide in 1948? Yeah. With all of these weird and things. How did he die? Why would how anyone want him dead? Yeah. A mystery. A 10 out of 10. Well done, me. Great story. <laughs> Great story. <laughs> Here, we've got to leave these people. This is going to go on for like four years. Thank you for okay. listening. Thank you for if listening. If you like to keep us going, you know what to do. Give us your money on the Patreon account. That's right. Tweet us on the Twitter account. At Dive Creep. Yeah. <laughs> Come by our <laughs> Come Instagram. Come by our Instagram. There's content there. Creep Dive. <laughs> At the Creep Dive. And don't forget about... Um, if you want to come and join us for a creep and we'll buy you dinner, you just got to send through your. We need to we need to make the first move on that. Oh, we, we need to put it we on. We need to post it to Patreon. Po- so I yeah. forgot that. Okay, okay, we'll, okay do we'll, that. we'll do that. We'll do that. We'll do it. Okay, see you next week. Bye. 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 Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.